0: From NSYNC. This is Rodney Vanefield. Uh, hey baby. Uh, this is oh. Hi, this is Jack. Just back
1: up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about now? Hi, my name is John hi, Teague and welcome hi, to hi, another edition talking. of The Horse's this Mouth. You're in the horse's what? mouth right now, you're in it. Can you tell? <sighs> anyway, um, here we go. Today on the show, on the show, what is this? Fucking trivia night um, today. Tff, whatever, a, a very special friend of mine is on the show today. His name is Lewin Job. He's a very hard guy to track down. He's not on social media. He's not on any of these platforms, and I suppose this makes him very hard to find. you I mean, if you don't have his number, he's a hard guy to find. I suppose if you listen to this podcast, then you'll be able to find him. But um, look. I'm not going to go on about this one. I'm just going to let you go into it cold. But uh, LJ and I have been friends for quite a long time and um, he is a very dear friend of mine and I feel privileged that he was so open and honest when he came um, and did the horse's mouth with me. So big shout out to you, dog Dog. Um, thank you for, uh, for everything. Yeah, just amazing friend. So... Um you know I, I, I there's two things swirling around in my mind I, I you know I love a bit of a conspiracy thing I I love to climb on in there and have a look at a good documentary that uh juxtaposes the norm you know um gives us uh makes me think about the world in which we live and the ideas that we're fed through the media and I suppose uh, it, uh, my grandfather said to me when I was a kid he said John the uh the pyramids are a really beautiful thing, but they're not a thing to be obsessed over. And I never knew what he meant by that. But uh, in my older age, I really do understand because do we really know how they appeared? And, you know, like you could, I could get lost in that, thinking about it and going into aliens and everything. So anyway, the, the, I've had the epiphany lately. I understand now what my grandfather said to me as a young very young, primary school, don't get lost in the pyramids. Um, life's to be lived, I suppose, and we're not going to figure this shit out. Uh, and and then, but you know, like then you swarmed in the media, and, and, I, and I bring this up because today I'm looking in the media, and I like the BBC. Here we go. In the most read articles in the BBC world, Mark Wahlberg reveals gruelling grueling daily regime and here it is Marky Mark likes to get up at 2 30 a.m wakes up at 2 30 2 45 prayer time 3 15 breakfast 3 40 workout 5 30 post meal workout 6 shower 7 30 golf 8 snack half an hour of golf 9 30 cryo chamber recovery, 10.30 snack, anyway, bums through, goes through, 7.30 bed, 7.30 bed, the gr- only grueling, now look, I like Mark Warburg. I, I, I think he seems like a pretty good bloke, but the only grueling thing about this are the hours, he gets up at 2.30am to work out, goes to bed at 7.30 in the evening, I mean, what the fuck? You're an adult, you get to choose. Why not go to bed at 11, get up at 6? I mean, what the fuck? I, I don't understand how this is in the BBC most read, you know? And, and and it makes me want to go and chase pyramids because when we're fed this bullshit as the most read important thing in the world today, Mark Wahlberg's fucking... Getting up so early and going to bed, what the? Anyway, I hope you really enjoy my chat with Lewin. Lewin, um, I'm going to stop crapping on about Mark Wahlberg and the pyramids and let you just enjoy the conversation. So, thank you so much for tuning in. Adios. See you on the other side. It's interesting. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and
0: total (laughs) far-for-rem. Hi, this is David Bowie Pretty things are
1: going
2: to hell.
3: My first memory... Um, my first memories actually are are of chaos. Do you want those memories? Well, you, that doesn't have to be... Um,
1: yes, yeah, so if you don't want to talk about it. I mean, I don't it.
3: mind sharing about it, but I just... Uh, so what I recall... The first things I remember, uh, we had a really long hallway. Um, I had five older brothers and sisters, and we had a six-bedroom home. So down that hallway was everybody's bedroom. It was one long hallway. And at the end of that hallway was a big, long mirror. So it seemed like it went forever.
1: And where did you fit in that lineage? I was number six. You were the
3: youngest. Yeah, all of our initials are L, A, J. All of them? Yes. Everyone starts with L. Everybody's middle initial starts with an A. And then our last name, of course, is J. That is
1: really something. Yeah. Did, um, did people talk about that when you were young?
3: I'm not really sure. Mm. It just was. Yeah. We didn't really. And did your dad do it on purpose? My mom did it. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. She likes symmetry. So her mind works in a way that most people's does not. Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. (laughs) She's not a linear thinker. Yeah. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And so, that has somewhat to do with the uh, memories that I had, which were my mom on my dad's back with her teeth in him, <laughs> and a screwdriver and a pliers. Like, those are some of my early memories. And um, my dad, I remember, pinned her between two doors Yeah, uh, to keep her from... To calm her down, and
1: that's one of the first things that you gonna remember. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, lot of, a lot of memory there, Jimmy.
3: And I just remember thinking, like, I just didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. And it, it seemed, uh, it seemed terrorizing. You know, it seemed. I remember. I remember feeling. It just seemed like terror.
1: Look, I never had anything to that extreme, but my parents used to argue, and I think pretty much all parents. Mm-hmm do or go through a phase and i remember when i was young and i would wake up and hear them arguing that it sent if i felt fear all the way through mm-hmm. yeah it, and it was it's just something that i can go to today i suppose that 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 gut level feeling of this is wrong mm-hmm. still still is there a little bit when when i see people fight now
3: yes um but that's what I remember. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So oh, that, totally. So, yeah. so yeah. is that really what happened? I mean, some version of that happened. Yes. Do yeah. you know? And yep. did it happen in that sequence? Or were there very, are there things that happened? Um, did those things happen, but in different times? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in my mind, it was one... I remember one specific time, and, and I remember it being sort of like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So how old do you think you were around this mm, point?
3: Well, they... Uh, I was under... It was like two or three. Oh, that's pretty... That's very young. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember anything before four. Right. So my parents um, pretty much split up when I was born. Uh, My dad uh, had to get... He had made a decision to separate my mom from us kids in order to keep us safe. And my being born is the thing that made him make that decision mm. so in order to keep me safe he divorced my mom mm-hmm. or he split up from her at that time mm-hmm. and then would later divorce her before and they both got remarried when I turned while well, I was four years old mm. they both got remarried I remember yes I have funny memories of my dad's wedding <laughs> I almost don't remember but it's what they tell me
1: yeah Mm-hmm. yes well, I remember being six at my great-grandmother's wedding... Ah, uh, not wedding. Funeral. <laughs> mm. Six. At six, I have checkered strange memories of that, but fours.
3: Well, some people say the only thing worse than a funeral is a wedding. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love a wedding. <laughs> but fucking hell. <laughs> so, okay, that's pretty early. I didn't think that you are going to be able to remember that early, and that's good. Um... So then, uh, your both your parents remarried, and you went to primary school.
3: You went to a normal primary school. Yeah, it was a place called Dove Elementary. Um, I went to. So we basically lived in the same two square miles my entire eighteen years of school, and I would go to a new school every two years. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on. You went to a new school every two years, mm-hmm.
1: but you lived in the same. Does that many schools in that little area?
3: No, I went to schools all over uh, Fort Worth and Dallas. Okay. Public schools, private schools. Because you were trouble. Mm-hmm. You were trouble. I was
1: trouble. Right. And, um, well, let's go in. What, what were you doing? To Or did you just, like, crack them or say, I want to go to another school, or you were getting kicked out, or both?
3: Both. Yeah. I was either getting kicked out um, or I was refusing to go back. Now, why?
1: Um, Were well, you, you're a smart cookie. Obviously, it wasn't academically.
3: Um, well, I could not. Uh, so there was a problem I was having that started early on um, with the uh, the boys that I grew up with in my neighborhood. Mm. So There was a pack of us, like a pack of dogs. Mm. A wolf pack, as, there was they, a wolf as, pack. They, as they call it mm-hmm. these days yeah even girls get called wolf packs now anyway, and, go on. Um, yeah, so and we were uh you know we we you know we lived on a a lake uh, we lived in the woods, we had motorcycles we um we were I mean you know we uh, taunted snakes, water moccasins, um, crocodiles we, uh, we didn't have crocodiles right. um, and you know we were boys, you know, but uh, I Found myself um, attracted to the other boys. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't an issue. You know? And.
1: Uh, but did it wasn't an issue to yourself or to them or to. To any of did us. Did you? And so you weren't.
3: So we fucked around on a regular basis. Right, as okay. T- as you, children.
1: Yes, you weren't forthholding. Mm-hmm.
3: No. <laughs> okay, yeah, great, yeah. And so like most kids we played make believe. Yes. We would you know and we would create little uh, worlds. Yeah. And in those worlds whatever um I would uh you know I was always the person I was always th- I would always fill the role of uh of the girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I had (laughs) any number of husbands (laughs) and they would share me and it was normal. It was fine. Yeah. We didn't, it didn't, nobody really, it's just the way it was. This is in primary school. This was like, yeah. But before, before primary school, like yeah, before primary school and then into primary school. So into primary school, um, I remember a boy named Joe, whose mother got run over by her own car. So she got out of the whoa, car, whoa. yeah, and uh, she, the car slipped out of gear as she was unlocking the gate, and On a ran her and over, crushed her between the gate, crushed her, well underneath the car, pinned her down, and he found her. Oh my god! But Joe was my best friend in this new in this school that I had gone to, and I had tried to kiss him. Uh-huh. And he told everybody. Yeah. And it, that's kind of when the trouble started. Uh-huh. It was confusing for me because I thought it was normal. Yes. And I didn't understand what the big deal was. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I liked the girls, too, though. huh. So we would sit in circles. I remember sitting, we would sit on the blacktop, and we'd sit in circles, and we would take turns showing each other our private parts. Mm-hmm. In a circle, mm-hmm. um, and I was uh, sometimes the only boy in a group of girls that was was doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was very um, much intrigued by anything sexual as a child. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, anything, y- yeah, anything yeah. adult, yes. drinking, smoking. Yes, yes. I wanted to do all of it. Yeah, sex. From a, and you knew <laughs> from a, from young, a age. young child, at <laughs> <laughs> a young age. Mm-hmm.
1: So when he told everybody the repercussions of Mm -hmm. this were, you thought everything and everything was normal, but from a child's point of view or
3: growing up in the eighties, not such, you know, people aren't as open-minded. Well, I remember the teacher, Mrs. Willingham, whose husband later became the principal to one of the high schools that I went to, Mm. pulled me into the, to a closet and confronted me about it. In a closet? Closet. Mm -hmm. what do you mean a closet like a small closet where they kept brooms and shit where they kept school supplies yeah okay yeah how peculiar Mm -hmm. and she confronted me on it what did she say did you try to kiss joe yeah and i said yes yeah she said we will well we don't do that Mm -hmm. oh i I wasn't i didn't know (laughs) 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 and what did she say Nothing, and so then it just kind of, you know, and then it wasn't much longer after that. Um, you know, I, I made it through, I don't know, I made it, to, I ended up going to a new school.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. this was still primary school, or are you in the starting high school?
3: So I moved into that school where I tried to kiss Joe um, in third grade. See, that first school that I went to through second grade, Yeah, all of my friends that I grew up with were in that school with me yeah so nothing there were no problems Mm -hmm. the only problems were uh, that I was bad and so they kicked me out of that school and I had to go to a new school Uh, and this is where Joe comes in this is where Joe comes in yes I did third and fourth grade there yeah and then I went to fifth grade and I don't know I get a little confused but anyway, I went to a new school um, I spent a year or two in that school and um, then went to this new school, which was a Christian private school. Mm-hmm. It was a Church of Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were going to straighten you out. Yeah. And I did well there. I only went there for one year, but it was in Fort Worth, which was the opposite direction of everything that we did, which was in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my mom drove me a long way to get there. Um, Every I, day. And I loved that school. Yeah. And I was actually quite popular oh, yeah. in that school. Yeah. Uh, and I was having girlfriends at that time. Yes. And, uh, and it was fun, and I liked it. It was good. I was making good grades. Um, but then they decided to send me that next year to a private Catholic all-boy school. Uh, boarding? Nope, not boarding. Mm. Uh, Cistercian monks. Mm-hmm. So the monks wore the habits. Um, really? I had to catch up two Brown? years. Brown? Black, black. Black habits. And, I, and they were Hungarian. And I had to catch up on two years of Latin to keep to catch up with the other boys. Fuck that. Yeah. And um and I liked Latin oddly enough. Wow. two years <laughs> of catch-ups fun then. <laughs> it made sense to me. Yeah. Latin did. Um and uh, but I only lasted about a year and a half in that school and then I turned all of my exams in blank at the fi- uh, so that at the, so that they would kick me out. Ah, oh, yeah. It was you a hard mm mm-hmm.
2: Mhm.
3: And I was having problems in that school. Oddly enough, one of the, there were brothers, Scott and Chris, and they, um, their father was my physics teacher at that private Catholic boys' school, and he used to catch them sucking my tits <laughs> in their bedroom, in the forts that we used to build, because I would be the mother. Yes. And they would, and I would have one on each breast, suckling. yes. yes. You're a good mother? For milk, yes. Yes. <laughs> Very nurturing. <laughs> and so that day when I walked in and we and he had confronted us on it. Yeah. Well we'd gotten caught. Yeah. And so when I walked into that uh that chemist that uh, physics class, um, I was um I was a I was it was uncomfortable. Mm. He knew. hmm He knew the secret. That you were mother hubbard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With his children, oh yeah so uh but um, and I didn't really like never you know i i mean i, I actually did kind of like that school, I made some good friends in there i always made I always made good friends with the other boys, yeah, you know, and i always um I was never bullied no well I, well, no, this isn't I understand
1: both because. You know, you're a pretty vivacious person with a Mm -hmm. lot of uh, energy. And so I can understand that. Um, And you're a likable person.
3: That's very nice of you. Well, yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 So you weren't bullied, which I get. Yeah. Yeah. And then you didn't do the entrance exam because you wanted out of there. Mm -hmm. So this is where we're at. Mother Hubbard doesn't do the entrance exam. Mm -hmm.
3: Cause I wanted to go to school with my new best friends from down the street. Yes. Um, whose names I won't name. No, you don't have to name any. But I was having um, a relationship with their father. Whoa, whoa. Yes. Mother Hubbard <laughs> has gone next level. Yeah. His wife and four children. Uh, his wife knew instinctually. Yes. She did not like me. Right. It started with massages. Yes. And I knew um that I couldn't I was I had I also remember seeing therapists and psychologists from a young age. Yeah. And I remember seeing one at the time. Um and knowing that I couldn't tell the therapist the truth or else he would go to jail. Whoa, 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 back it up. You couldn't tell the therapist the
1: truth because he would go to jail. You knew the consequences mm-hmm. of what was at stake oh, yeah. at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. And now I was past puberty, so now I was able to orgasm, yeah, properly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I left. So I got out of the schools, and I was also at the time um, training to be uh, uh, a professional figure skater.
1: Who the fuck knew?
3: And they did you
1: skate from a young age? Obviously, you no.
3: Did. I st- well, I started young. Um, like fifth grade. Yeah.
1: So you were a natural.
3: I was natural. Um, and it was planned. Out, I think I was like 18, 22 and 26. I would be able to hit the Olympics. Mm. And so we were at that point um, in that eighth grade year where I was. They were talking about if if we're going to train professionally and go and train for the Olympics, then you have to move to Colorado um, and homeschool and skating becomes your life. And I didn't. Um, I, I, I didn't, uh, I haven't, I, I don't, um, I got scared, mm. uh, and I did not do that. And that's when I began to actually start smoking pot. Mm-hmm.
1: So and hold drinking. on, you're in a relationship with someone's father. Sort yeah. of. Yeah.
3: I mean, we were having a, yeah, yeah. Yes. And so you, how did that, how did you get out of that? They moved. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. that's convenient. They moved. I was devastated because I lost my best friends and this relationship. Yeah. And I felt pretty alone. And I was going into high school Mm -hmm. at this time. Mm -hmm. So I went into high school. I did ninth and 10th grade at this school, um, a public school. And um, I decided that I would no longer have relationship with guys and that I would be straight. Yeah. And then, I, and I had girlfriends, and I didn't have any relationships. Did you talk about that with your therapist?
1: No. 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 That was just a, um, this is going to make my life easier. Yeah.
3: Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. So, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. Um, I made it two years in that school, in high school, and then um, I... So it
1: was new again, new no one, starting fresh.
3: Right. Well, I had been to that school before in elementary school. Yeah. So yeah. Joe was there. Yeah. And that's when his mother got run over.
1: Oh, fuck. Right. Okay. Yep.
3: And I wanted to be his friend, but... um, And we were friendly. He, there, was, there was always a friendship there. Yeah. Even if we weren't hanging out. Yeah. yeah. So um, then... Fuck, it's tough being a kid. Right. It is. I never thought I'd get through through it, school. Yeah. I never thought I'd get through school. Yeah. It was hard. Um, I then moved to uh, Pilot Point, Texas, small country town, to get away from the drugs and the acid and the cocaine that I was doing in this high school that I was at. So this is the high school that you moved to. You decide you're going to be straight,
1: straighty 180, only Joe's there, and you're doing a... Paula trucks.
3: Yes. Yes. With Amy. And I loved Amy. Yeah. She was amazing. So you got she was very c- grown up. She was having a relationship with men in their thirties as a high school person. Wow. Oh my so God. So we got a lot, you know, I, we, we, yeah. you know, yeah, I didn't talk to her about the relationships that I was having, but we just, you, you know, you go to classes. We were good allies because we could, you know, she could say she was with me yep. and she could be with these older men. Mm-hmm. And you'd go to classes high. Oh, we would drop acid on the way to school. It was intense. Yeah. And did anyone else know? My Spanish teacher found out one day. Stop it. I was tripping my, I was tripping. I was tripping so hard. I mean, I was like that LSD, just full tilt trip right in the middle of my day at school. I was in Spanish and um, I could sit through class through most classes and, and, and like just trip and not have to like speak. Yeah but we were reading out loud in Spanish (laughs) and we were going down the rows and it came to my turn and it got to my turn and she was like, all right. And and I'm looking and I'm trying to read, you know, and and I'm trying to translate in Spanish. You know, I don't know if it was English to Spanish or Spanish to English, but I was really good because Mm. of my Latin Mm -hmm. and I couldn't even, I couldn't, I, I was like, uh, you know, and I just looked at her she was like, go out to the hall, please. We went out to the hall. She said, "You know, I'm a child of the '60s, and I see what's happening. I understand what you're going through right now." Oh my God! And I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." She was like, "Be safe. Go back in and sit down." And I was like, "Wow." I was, and if, of course, that's only one of those things that could happen when you're tripping. Yeah. Right. So it, these sort of things would happen to me all the time when I was on acid, and I would be like, "I didn't know I if it am was a the child acid. of the '60s." <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. That is fucking red hot. As, hot. as bad as I was in school my teachers always liked me. Yeah. There was something about me they liked. Well, you know. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Yeah. So, but um so yeah, I got through that one. Fucking hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay.
1: So, um you've done a pile of drugs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you've decided you need to go to the new
3: school. I had confessed to my parents um about the drugs and everything and I had gone to church. Now I was in church. Well, I was always in church because that's what we did. Um, but I'd gone to my youth pastor in church drunk and told him that I needed to go to rehab. You got him drunk? No, I was drunk. Yeah. I got drunk before Sunday night church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, or Wednesday night church. I don't know what it was. Went to the uh, youth pastor and asked him if he would check me into uh, Green Oaks, which was a rehab facility, a private rehab facility in mm. Dallas. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I remember the lawns were really nice and they took, you know, he took me. Um, and, uh, they, in tank called my parents and, uh, my parents said, thank you so much for taking care of our son. You can send him home and they refused to send me to rehab. So you, you were actually at the rehab? Yes. Trying I'm, to get in. Oh yeah. Okay. So you're at the entrance. Yep. Thinking great. Mm-hmm. I needed that. a vacation. And I just I ne- didn't want to go back to school. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Cause my friend Amy had stopped <laughs> Looking talking at it, to like me. Like a fucking dice bar. Well, yeah, I mean, I just thought I could go and check out there for a while. No, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just need, you know, it seemed like a safe place. People were doing it. I thought Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, would be a, it would be a good idea. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of yeah. needed it if you drop an acid Yeah, I mean, Spanish. I was drinking crazy, you know, I was, you know, drinking a lot, cocaine, acid, smoking lots of dope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Tick all the boxes. Right. Yeah.
1: So then your parents said, mm, no, thank you for yep. sending him home. Yes. Yeah, so you've left
3: rehab and I've already told them, I, and so I was, I, well, I, I told them that no problem. You don't want to send me to rehab. That's fine. But I'm not going back to that school. Yeah. So they sent me up to Pilot Point, um, where we had some property so I could get into that school system, small town. And I finished out high school there. So I went in the middle of my 11th grade year, mm-hmm. and I finished, uh, and I graduated from high school there. Well done. And I, and I liked it, yeah. Like, that's a fucking huge effort. I pulled it off, yeah. I can't believe Somehow. you pulled it off. Somehow. And that wasn't and without it, its own you, drama. What were your
1: marks like? Did you, were they all right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I did all right. I mean, I got into college a college, and everything. Yeah. Fuck, nice and, work. Um, you know, and that was good, you know. And I had... And my friends that were there, so it was a small country town, you know. And, and so my friends were the... My friends were the... My best friend was Chris. He was, like, 21 and still in high school. You know, and he was you know, pretty buff and tough and, um, and we were like best friends and, um, you know, and I, and I had, you know, I was pretty solid, you know, I had, you know, nobody, I mean, as long as I was with Chris, nobody was fucking with me. Yeah.
1: So you're 18 at this point and Chris is older. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And you graduated school, Mm -hmm. hanging with Chris Mm -hmm. and did you move back home? Well, I, at first I was living with my sister, but then they found out that I was smoking pot and sneaking out, so they kicked me out, her husband and, uh, and her her husband kicked me under out. she's still underage. No, my older sister. Yeah, I get it, but you're still underage yeah. at 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot. And they said I can live with them as long as I don't do drugs or drink. Yes. And they found out that I was doing those things. Um, it was a small town, everybody talks. My sister was on the board of the school. Um, so it didn't take long before they found out. Uh, so then I began to so I had to move back home to Dallas, yep. where my parents lived, and drive an hour to school every single day. To, to
1: this is university? High school.
3: Oh, you haven't graduated yet? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got kicked out of, because I was living with my sister, my older sister Ye- yeah, to go to this yeah. school, um, but uh, I couldn't. I only made it there for a few months before I got caught. Got it. So then I had to go back to my parents' house, but I had to finish school, so I drove two hours yep. round trip yep. to get to finish high school. Okay and so now you're back with your folks and you finished high school yep um, I get my first job in the car business and that summer I was detailing cars at the Ford house uh, coming out of the body shop and I loved it that's where I fell in love with uh, 90s country music because <laughs> that's what we listened to at the body shop all day which yeah. I still listen to prime that, country
1: what was it what was the favorite there what do you mean like who's the, an artist that stands out in your mind
3: Toby Keith Toby Keith yeah Garth Brooks the only one I know is Hank William Jr oh I like Hank William Jr yeah, yeah. I don't mind him either yeah no he's good
1: um, he's gritty I like that yeah yeah and I like that he uh, went through his own journey mm-hmm.
3: I don't know much about his journey but
1: it, I'll tell you another time but it's um, it's a good one yeah because he had to find his own way and not following his dad's well, shadow because I know
3: who, yeah his dad's yeah huge mm-hmm.
1: um, so you're working out of school automotive, loving country music, mm-hmm. Texan, I've got to ask you this, you told me that you used to sing to the cows, is this later or now? That was a lot younger. It was a lot younger. Yeah, yeah. that
3: was after my, parent, my, my real mom had married my stepdad, uh-huh. and they had a, uh, about a hundred and something acres in New London, Texas, yeah. uh, which was about three hours east of Dallas, uh, and I uh, would stand outside. No, no, I would stand from my bedroom and I would play Cyndi Lauper. Yeah. And I would sing Cyndi Lauper to the cows at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and they would stand there and just watch me for hours. And I would do this for hours. And as long as I would sing, they would stay. The cows? Yeah. <laughs> they would always come up in the morning for their drink, yep. which their water trough was outside my window. Yeah. Um, but then they would migrate away. Yes. Um, and I would also spend hours, uh, becoming one of the cows. Uh, break, go into that for me a little bit. Well, I would walk on my hands and my knees yes. for hours and they would accept me as part of the herd. Just shut the fuck <laughs> up. It was, the, I, it was, I loved it. It was one of my favorite things to do. I mean, it would occupy me for an entire day. Do you think your mom was watching you out the window? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. I don't think she was so out of her mind. Yeah. I think she thought it was probably normal. Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, I love that the cows love Cindy Lauper.
3: Yeah. So well, they love
1: your rendition of it.
3: Ford House, go to college. I was very lost at college that first semester because um, people would say, people would would think that I think that I was out or think that I was gay, and I didn't know. I hadn't. I, I had kind of put that behind me. And I met this. You
1: still stay. Sorry. So you're still staying on the trajectory of, I'm just going to be straight.
3: Right. I had a girlfriend. Yeah. You know, um, from that church group. And uh, yeah. So then I go to college and I meet this, um, this really big black guy who happens to be the quarterback of the football team Mm. of this university. Mm -hmm. And we strike up a friendship. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, you know, small white guy, mm-hmm. you know, and he's this large black man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how I lived in the sports dorm because I don't know why I ended up in the sports dorm. And uh, we started uh, going on drives together and smoking weed mm. and we would get really high mm-hmm. and we would, um, and just talk. And we would, um, he would, he would meet me. Uh, he wouldn't meet me in the lobby. He would meet me at my car so that nobody would see us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really understand, but I didn't really care because I was fine with secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of understood. Mm. And we just talked and talked, and this went on for a long time. And then one one night, he called me and said, um, we were talking on the phone, and I was in my dorm and he was in his dorm, and he said, you know, I think you're a freak. And I was like, oh, "Why well, I didn't, I I was like, I, I, you know, like, what do you mean you think I'm a freak? Like, what is a freak? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And he said, come to my room and I'll show you. Mm-hmm. And we began a sexual relationship at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was not long after that. So that was right around the time that my grandma got hit by a train in Amsterdam. She was taking care of my uncle who lived in Amsterdam um, he was gay and dying of AIDS. Mm. He had both of his eyes taken out of his head so you could see into his head. He had contracted cat, cat scratch fever. And my grandma had gone over there, who this was her son. She. He was in a hospice. He was dying. And she went over there to put him into the ground. And she was walking across the street in Amsterdam and got hit by one of the trams and was killed instantly. She was hit pretty hard. Fuck um, uh killed her instantly and she and, and and so that was in uh October. And um and I didn't go back to class after that. I couldn't go back to class after that. Um it was pretty traumatic. Yeah. Yep. And so um I began to take care and of so my your,
1: your uncle was still alive?
3: So he lived. Yeah. It freaked him out so bad he lived another two years. Okay. So he ended up moving to Dallas. From Amsterdam. Yep. Yep. And I ended up helping, helping taking care of him and my grandfather who my grandma was married to, who's a world war two veteran. Um, and he was in the, um, he was a Marine. Mm -hmm. He was injured in Guadalcanal. So half of his shorter, he caught jungle fever, a form of jungle fever of some sort. And half of his body had shrunken up. So he walked with a limp and he was grandpa Frank and grandma Jerry was the one who was in Amsterdam. And, um, and it, 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 and I could, so I would try to go to class after that and I couldn't get to class uh, without, I couldn't walk to class without crying. Like I did, I, it just, would, it, I, yeah, I yeah. couldn't. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I would go to the park and drink and um, my parents caught wind of the fact that I was failing out of all my classes because my dad was on the board of regents for this university. Mm-hmm. And so I um, moved back home. And this football player, quarterback, would yep. send me letters, mm-hmm. and my parents would intercept them, and my dad would read them, and he would come to me and he would say, "Son, are you in some kind of trouble?" You know, and he would call the house looking for me, and they would he- they would get on the other line and they would hear, and they were, and they didn't and they thought I was in trouble. They thought that I that he was after me, that he was trying to hurt me, mm. and it was quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, He did sneak over to my grandparents' house when I was taking care of my grandpa Frank one night. And I remember we showered together. He was such a big man. He barely fit in the shower. It was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So, but my grandpa was handicapped, so I knew he wouldn't find us. Yeah. 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 Oh, this is the one that didn't have eyes either. No, that was my uncle. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, all right. So you're looking after the veteran. Mm -hmm. Yes. I get it. Okay. So you've left college mm-hmm. and you're looking after your uncle. Mm-hmm. And have you have you any, like, you're just like, I'm just free will and you're not working at the car place. You're not just mm-hmm. looking after uncle. It's pretty noble. Though. Yeah, no, I was
3: looking after my grandpa. And, um, well, and then my uncle moved to Dallas and I was helping take care of him. And, um, and I was trying to work here and there. I didn't really have to. Um, I remember, um, you know, um, sneaking my uncle's morphine pills and uh that was sort of a weird thing it's a story in and of itself but um the thing about it is that um i had decided at this point that i wanted to my dreams i had decided that i was going to move to new york city at some and become a go-go dancer a go-go dancer yeah but that came out of um so i had started sneaking out and going to nightclubs gay nightclubs Yes, okay. Um well not necessarily gay nightclubs. My favorite one was Club One on Saturday night, it was eighteen and up. Yep. Eighteen years. Eighteen years. So it was yep. a dry club? No, it was a you no, you could drink. You just had to have a wristband. Okay. And um uh, I remember it was Club One and it was one of those clubs and in and, and it was in Deep Ellum part of Dallas. There was it was a big square building with no markings on it, so it was underground. Mm-hmm. And um anything would anything went. You know, girls, boys, gay, straight, it didn't really matter. And it was, there was this, um, the, the music that was coming out of that time was this house music that I just, was it was like trance. You know, I, I, would, I would just go into these trances. And you would recognize some of the house music if you heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty intense. And um, so I was going to these nightclubs and I met this girl. Um, I started seeing, you know, you start, see, if you start going to the same watering hole, you start seeing the same people. Yeah. And I would see this girl who I just could not, I had this obsession with Marilyn Monroe Mm -hmm. growing up Mm -hmm. and she, I mean, she was Marilyn Monroe reincarnated, uh, the hair, the tits, the body. Um, she, she was so incredibly sensual and sexual, and she had this boyfriend that was like super like hot and uh, beefy and tall and just like total, you know, just this, they were like the perfect couple. Yeah. And I would dance with them, you know, and they would encourage me to get on the boxes and dance. And, um, and she would let me touch him. She would encourage me to touch his body, you know, on the dance floor. And so I would meet her and then I, and so I met her and I would see her at the clubs and I snuck out one night to go to the village station um, which was a gay club in Cedar Springs, but on Saturday night, um, on Wednesday nights was 18 and up, and it was also a uh, straight night, and that was the night um, uh, that all the strippers from Cabaret Royale and the Men's Club and the Lodge would go to, and those are, these strip clubs in Dallas, most of them are still there, actually, mm-hmm. um, are like no other strip clubs in the in the world, I think, I've only been to, well, I've been to quite a few strip clubs, actually. I've been to a few, but <laughs> L.A. doesn't have any strip clubs like this. No. San Francisco it. doesn't have any strip you, clubs yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah. Um, you can't touch the girls. Yeah. Um, they're gorgeous. Yeah. And uh, they have these big boardrooms upstairs where men do businesses, business deals, like, yeah. you know, prominent businessmen yeah. do business deals upstairs, and the women serve them topless. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's very classy. Yeah. The girls make a lot of money. Um, they're gorgeous, and they're good dancers. hmm and very nice establishments. Mm. Very There's a few nice. in, in Melbourne, a bit the same. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, yeah, it's a lot different to here. I've never seen strip clubs like that anywhere but in Dallas. Yeah, okay. Where it's that posh. Yeah. So, uh, so that girl, the Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe look-alike, mm-hmm. was there, and she, uh, I would snuck it out of my house that night. Uh, this night that I had gone on a Wednesday night, um, I waited for my parents to go to bed, and I crawled out the second-story window, crawled down the the pipes and the fence, got in my car and drove off to this this nightclub. Um, gone by myself, uh, drank a few bottles of wine on my way in and not on my way there. I remember throwing up as I was walking there um, just because I drink it too much too fast. And I... Uh, wine on an empty
1: stomach. Yeah.
3: Fuck. And so I was dancing um, on the dance floor. She was there. Um she uh I was, you know, same situation and and you know, we'd kind of become friendly at this point and she said there's a party, do you want to go to it? And I said, "Well, yes, I do." <laughs> and so I went to this party. And it was at somebody's house, and that's where I met uh Kimberly. And um she uh was sitting on this tall, tall bar stool and she had on a silver slip dress and silver stilettos and she had this red hair and um she was Italian. She was gorgeous and uh, she, l- she looked at me and she was smoking clove cigarettes mm, uh, she had her legs crossed mm-hmm. you know and she looked at me and uh, I walked by and she said hey baby and I was like hi you know hi and she said "It's so are you gay and I had never been I had never said yes to that question I didn't know I was, I was you know but I was starting to figure it out I mean I knew but I was just trying to come to terms with it uh-huh. and she said so are you gay and I said yes and she said sit up here with me And she told me to sit on the stool next to her. And I began to uh, strike up a conversation with her. And she said, listen, uh, baby, there's a party after this. There's another party that we're going to. Why don't you go with us?
1: And this is what the other girl had said as well. Yes. Yeah.
3: But now, and I don't know if the, I don't remember if the other girl went with us to this party. I said, yes, I'd go to this party because I remember I'd snuck it out. So I didn't have to, you know, I could, I didn't, it didn't matter when I went home. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just needed to be home before my parents woke up. We went to this hotel. There was this guy that met us there um with, you know, in the back of a car, back of like a town car and um he had uh, a, he had like five different driver's licenses. He had five different sets of credit cards um, and How did you say all this well because i I don't know i don't I was in the car with them I, I it's a little foggy, mm. you know, but i remember um I do rem- and I remember being pretty messed up and i and I remember. I had, he gave me a credit card and an ID and he said, go to, and, and, and my instructions were from whoever gave them to me to go to the front desk and rent a suite at this hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, and to go to the back door and meet them there. So I went to the front desk and I remember being so like, I'd never gotten my, I'd never done this before. Mm -hmm. I'd never gotten a hotel room. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd never done any of these things and, and I, I did it. I had the ID, I had the credit card, I got the hotel room, I went to the back door, I got them in. We went in. He, we went in through up into the elevator bank and into our suite. Bang. And I didn't think anything of it. I had no idea, um, and I didn't know who this guy was, and I didn't really care. And we were doing uh, long lines of cocaine wrapped up in hundred dollar bills. And the next thing I remember, it was like ten thirty in the morning, and I freaked out, full fledged panic. And I was like, oh, my God, I can never go home. I can never go home. I, I snuck out last night. I wasn't there when my parents woke up. And I can, I can never go home, you know? And Kimberly said, no problem, baby. You can live with me. And I moved in with her that day. And I haven't lived at home since. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> she was probably, and she was the hottest. She was probably one of the hottest dancers at, uh, her main club was Cabaret Royale where she danced but she also would dance at the men's club in the lodge but she mainly danced at Cabaret Royale and what I didn't realize is that the man that uh, so he was part of like Gambini Gambino some sort of like mobster type family out of New York mm-hmm. he resided in Puerto Rico and he would fly to Dallas Atlanta Denver and I think there was one other city I think um, and he would laun- they would launder money through these strip clubs mm. yeah hmm. Um, and I, 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 I put it all. To, I figured us all out over a six-month period. Um, that he was a, he, a connected dude. Yeah, there was somebody watching me all the time. So I would come home sometimes at night when I would be partying. Like Kimberly would be at work; she would work all night, and mm-hmm. I would be out at the nightclubs. And I wasn't allowed to bring anybody home. And I would come home, and um, and the phone.
1: Thom- so, so sorry to interrupt you. But they were taking care of her too. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so. Um, And uh, the people that were living underneath us in this apartment complex were watching. I came to find out later. I didn't know that at the time, we were watching everything we were doing. So you think they were government? No, 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 they were definitely not government. They worked for this man. Oh, Yeah.
1: what the fuck?
3: So I would come home, Hmm. this happened on more than one occasion, I would come home, it would be like two or three in the morning, and the phone would ring. And they would be, uh, and it would be Kimberly or somebody, you know, and they would say there's a, there's a, there's a town car downstairs waiting for you. Get in the car and they'll bring you to us. So I would, I didn't know. And that happened a lot. And what does that mean? This was before cell phones. Does this mean that they wanted the apartment empty? No, it means they wanted me to come. They wanted me to be there with them. Mm. They want me to be there to party. And then w- we would have these they fantastic orgies. all was big at the time. We were doing a lot of GHB. <laughs> um, and uh, it was fantastic, some of these sex parties that I would be involved in. And the mafia that people were involved with as well? Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. The strippers, um, the men that hang around the strippers, um, which were all... Uh, so I became Kimberly's pet. Yeah, I became known as Kimberly's pet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... Uh, So that went on for a while. I lost a lot of weight. I did a lot of cocaine. There was um, there's one time when um, and this was the night before I moved out. Um, We were sitting around a table, and um, we were doing. I guess it's known as like Peruvian cocaine, where like it's like it's moist right off the. You know, it's like as pure Mm -hmm, as it gets. mm -hmm. And there was so much of it, and we were doing so much of it that I remember sitting here at a table like this. I remember thinking, at any moment, my heart will stop. Like at any moment my heart is going to stop. Like that's how fucked up I was. Mm. And um and the guy was there. Um, this was probably the fourth or fifth time that I had met him. He would come into town, mm. you know, about once a month. And um he started tripping on me a little bit. Um and I asked him if he believed in God. Uh ah. um, and I had known that people and I this is we you know, there were a lot of people that were talking to me and they were saying, you know, that this guy's somebody you know, people were ending up, people were ending up missing because they'd botched up deals, drug deals, money laundering deals. They would, they, they just ended up missing. And, and I would, I wouldn't believe people when they would tell me that somebody had ended up missing and that they were dead. Um, and then this one particular person, this guy that used to hang out with us all the time, um, his parents called us in a panic and they were going through his Rolodex, mm. um, and they couldn't find him and he had been missing for a while and, um, he fucked up some deal and they shot him. And, uh. So I started, and so this was all coming together, mm-hmm. and I was figuring this all out. Yeah. And so I was sitting with this guy, and it was very, you know, a very private group of people, um, and we were doing this cocaine with this man, and he brought it on his private jet from Puerto Rico. And um, he started freaking out on me, and um, he had done some research on me uh, because I would gotten so ingrained into this world, mm-hmm. you know, gotten so close to Kimberly, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he wanted me to get drugs without having to set it up. So he wanted me to go get acid or some sort of drugs in that moment he wanted me to be able to pick up the phone and go make a drug deal without having to set it up through somebody and th- and that would prove that I wasn't working for like the government cuz he had thought that um, he just be- he was like he f- freaked out on me and said like you're the perfect cover like you're perfect you're perfect look at you look at you look at you look at you in this world look what you've done out of nowhere you come and you've just Penetrate this world and you're with us and you're doing this and you're like this kid and like you're ab- you're like You're so brilliantly perfect for what you're doing. You have to be working for somebody And he was paranoid and and I was like I have no, I was freaked out I was like I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean I went out one night. I met these chicks I live with this girl. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. You know, I have no idea
1: You've jumped down the fucking rabbit hole Yeah,
3: and so he's in wonderland. Yeah, yeah. And he freaked out on me, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't get a hold of this guy. and um, The guy that you're trying to score drugs from? Yeah, I couldn't get a hold of him. He was so reliable and such a good friend, you know, I thought. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the, the people have things going on. And it's just in that moment, I couldn't do it. And, um, you know, he said uh, – so we were standing – I was standing in the doorway of the kitchen, and I remember it so vividly. And we were so high on cocaine. And um, he, I said, Kimberly – I can't get it, but Kimberly can. And he's just went back and he struck me across the face with like all the weight in his body against the back of his hand. It went across my face. I was so numb. I didn't feel anything. I know that I went from the uh, entryway of that kitchen to in the sink, like probably six, seven, eight feet. I went flying through the air. I was a little, I mean, I weighed under a hundred pounds and um, I, I remember being up against the glass and in the sink and blood coming out of my nose. And I picked up a knife and I freaked out on him and I just was, I just fucking went haywire. And I just wanted to stab him. And um, they held me back, you know, my arm. And he came up to me and he was like wiping the blood off my face. And he was like, oh, my baby, my baby, you know. And he was like talking like, you know, and he was like, f- you know, the whole part, like everybody in the apartment was like dead silent, dead silent. And um, he uh, asked, you know, he said that he wanted to go for a private drive with me. And everybody was like, don't go, don't go, don't go. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going. You know, so we went in this car, we got in the back of this car and we went driving. And he wanted me to go back to Puerto Rico with him. And he said, you have balls bigger than an elephant. And if you're not working for the government, then I want you working for me. <laughs> and, um, and he had done research. The reason why I thought I was involved with the government somehow is because he had done research on my family. Mm-hmm. And um, he, uh, my dad was in the Nixon administration Pretty high up.
1: Yeah, and he he found that out. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to find. Yeah, okay. And so therefore he drew a link.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the next day I s- went and I told my parents. My dad was like, you know. Um, so you, Aaron, h- you haven't spoken to your parents in ages. No. <laughs> I mean, I went home high at Christmas. Oh, you did with Kimberly. I brought her home. Oh my god! You and took she her home? W- yeah, and she was like, I totally recognize your dad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, from being in the Nixon administration? No, from being
3: in the strip club, Cabaret Royale. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I used to find the funny money. I used to steal money from his wallet, and I would find Cabaret Royale dollars in there. Funny money? Yeah. I've never heard of it. It's just money that is only
1: good in the club. Yeah. Like chips at a casino. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fuck, that's good. Yeah. I totally recognize your dad. That is hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you took her home for Christmas Yeah And how did that go down?
3: Oh, not well I mean, it went fine You know, my parents are very sweet Yeah <laughs> <laughs> It was a little bit of a shit show, but
1: That's fucking gold Okay, so then So I moved out the next night Hold on, he's asked you to go to Puerto Rico mm-hmm. And you don't know
3: if it's going to kill you mm-hmm. Or make you a made man Mm-hmm. And you bounce out um, the next night, Kimberly went to work. I was supposed to give them my decision, and uh, my best friend from church came with her dad's suburban. We packed everything up, and I never went back. My parents said, "You can't move home." They got me an apartment in the middle of this large community what, called the Village. Well, they not want you to move home because they're worried about the trouble? Because I was insane. Yeah, I was insane. Yeah, and they were worried. You know, and the and these people were looking for me for a while. Yeah, they were looking for me. Like I had to kind of go into hiding. Yeah, you know I didn't have a phone. I rode the bus. I totaled my car. You know, I mean, I was totally on the, uh, you know, and we didn't. They didn't. You know, there wasn't technology like we have today.
1: Yeah, which is lucky.
3: Right. And they didn't find me, and um, I rode the bus to a law. F- I worked. I worked as a receptionist in a law firm in downtown Dallas. Did you really? And rode the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you get that job? Through my dad.
1: Yeah. So then you were working for that, and
3: this is behind you, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, "I'm gonna clean up my act or not?" Nah, no, this is shit. at the point where I thought that I wanted to move to New York to become a go-go dancer. Oh. Because because I had learned how to dance, you know, I was, you know, I and and I got a job in the Stark Club, um, dancing in a box, uh, which Philippe Stark. I don't know if you know who that is, but he, um, I think he owned Area Fifty like that club in oh, New York. Co- what, uh, something 51. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That club. Yeah. Um, and he had opened and, and the club that he had reopened the start club in Dallas, which got busted. It was the largest. It's still to this date, I think the largest bl- drug bust ever in Dallas. And they just basically um, locked the doors, turned on the lights and arrested everybody in the club.
1: Oh, fucking
3: hell. Um, it was back when uh, that, when ecstasy was pure uh, MDNA mm-hmm. and they would have buckets out of it by the front door and it was free. It, with, in, with with, your, in, with when you're you kidding. Yeah. And, um, What a club. Yeah, it was fantastic. I wasn't there during those times, but I was there for the reopening and I got hired to dance in one of the cages.
1: Are you, did you really? So mm-hmm. you got your dream. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I would wear like orange, skin tight, orange crush, crush, skin tight, orange crushed velvet pants, with little balls that would hang out. And they were bell bottoms. And I'd wear like stiletto <laughs> platform boots and shit. And <laughs> I'd paint my nipples silver and I'd paint my hair silver. I'd have sparkles on my body, and I would dan- I would just, I would just tear it up in this box. And I got fired from that job because I was. I would get so. I got tipped mostly in drugs, and um, I uh, kept. I kept this cage. My favorite thing to do was to like go upside down and throw my feet over the top of the cage mm. and just dance upside down. And they were afraid I was A gonna bit fall. Like and those break girls me. the other night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they thought I was gonna break my neck. And I was a liability, so they fired me. And I couldn't stop doing it, I couldn't help myself. The oh, they said
1: don't do it, and you just kept doing it. I kept it. doing it, <laughs>
3: The crowd went crazy, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. They would put me in a cab with no money. I'd have to jump out of the cab going like 20, 30 miles an hour. Do it a run
1: up to get back to your apartment. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, and then, I, and I'd, I mean, I'd take off in a dead run in platforms, heels, <laughs> you know? And I'd wake up the next morning um, stuck to my bed sheets because the blood was drying from my injuries as I would land and tumble through. I mean, I would jump out of cars moving pretty fast. <laughs> I think I even tried to suck off one of the t- cab drivers who was some, like, Arab or something. <laughs> it was kind of funny. But he, I think I might have actually done that. I don't know. Anyhow.
1: Sounds like the trajectory of uh, the, the things that have been going on, that wasn't outside the realm. It was so far outside. It was, you know. No, that wasn't outside the realm, though. Like, that happened, probably. Oh, what? The, the giving the head driver a blowjob. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, that
3: is fucking hilarious. Well, I'm glad that you got your dancing dream. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't have to move to New York for it. Nope. And I, and I soon turned 21. Mm. Um, and I remember turning 21 at the library. Um, at this, it was called the library bar at, the, um, was at this say, hotel. I well, back it up. You're in a and library it was night. It was a super cool place. Yeah. And I remember thinking, so where am I going to go? For you know, t- now that I'm 21, and there was no place that I hadn't been already been going to, because um, I was Kimberly's pet, and, and, and it did, I never had a fake ID, I didn't need one, they let, all the bouncers knew who I was, and they would let me through. So there was nothing I hadn't already done when I turned 21, and so then I began to kind of realize that maybe, um, maybe I should go back to school, maybe I should clean up my act a little bit, and, and I did, and I went to a pretty nice university, Southern Methodist University, and uh, graduated um, with a business degree in marketing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: My dad said, I don't, care. I don't care what you do with your life and I don't care what you major, lo- major in in college as long as you get a business degree. Pretty good sound. And so I thought, well, you know, that's fine. So mm-hmm. the most creative thing that I could find in the business school uh, was marketing. And I fit right in because I looked so young. Um, but I, w- I, had a, I had, you know, and I was, and I was done sort of partying well, no, I wasn't done, actually. But um, <laughs> it would take on new forms. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but I graduated from SMU, which was a great experience. It was I came to learn that I was smart. Um, I loved going to class. I loved sitting up front. I loved my professors. I loved learning. And I did really well.
1: Well, the fact that you love Latin, you know.
3: Right. says a lot. I guess. Mm-hmm. So, and I mitered in Spanish, and I had my dream, which was to uh, go to Spain. Um, I majored in marketing, I mitered in Spanish, and I wanted to be in international marketing and speak Spanish, and I wanted to do that in Spain. Had that all lined up. September 11th happened. Um, my job offer got rescinded. It was for one of Ross Perot's companies. Ross Perot, that billionaire that ran for president a while back. Mm mm. Well, anyway. Dallas guy. Mm mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so I needed a job. I didn't want to um, live off my parents anymore. I wanted to be independent. So I got my second job in the car business, which was a greeter, as um, I, I was a greeter at Park Place Lexus in Dallas, Texas. Uh, actually, it was in Plano, a suburb north of Dallas. And um, I just would welcome people into the Lexus store. Um, I did that for a few months. I begged them to make me a sales assistant. I became a sales assistant. Um, I loved that. And then I begged them to let me onto the sales floor. They were reluctant, but I was. <laughs> Why? Because um, you're a bull at a gate? I don't, I mean, they just, I just, you know, because, I mean, it was, you know, this was Lexus, mm. this Lexus store. I mean, they were, these people, you know, it, it was, it's a, very professional company, yeah. very grown up. Lexus are nice cars. Yeah, Lexus are nice cars. And these salespeople were making a lot of money selling a lot of cars. And it was, I mean, this Park Place Lexus store is one of the top five Lexus stores in the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I had no experience selling. So it was a gamble. Um, but I talked them into it, finally. Um, my first month on the sales floor, I sold 15 Lexus that month. And I was like one of the top three salespeople. And there were about 20 to 24 salespeople on the floor. And, um, and I was always in the top three, if not number one in sales um, from that point forward. Now, what was the saying that your dad said to you? Do you think that that helped? Yes. What was it? If you can see Jim Jones through Jim Jones's eyes, you can sell Jim Jones what Jim Jones buys. <laughs> I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I learned. And so, do uh, you
1: think that helped you climb inside the mind of the people that you were talking to when you were selling?
3: Yeah, and, n- you know, in negotiating and closing deals, I became really good at it. Mm. Um, I became good at it. uh well, you're still good at it? Yeah. And so, uh, it was not long after that that the owner of the company um, had purchased a Bentley Rolls Royce Maserati dealership and asked me to come and be the sales director for Maserati and Rolls Royce. In Dallas and I was young still in my 20s Um, and that's uh, where that started and I did really really well and then moved to uh, California I'd done some other jobs I went to go work for my dad because I didn't want to be in the car business Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be I thought it was sort of beneath me Mm -hmm. Um, so I wanted to do other things I wanted to use my degree Mm -hmm. Um, and I began to go into real estate development you know, on a small scale, I would buy houses and flip them, mm-hmm. um, which was going really well for me. And I worked for my dad. I was would so attor- buy a
1: house, you'd do it up, mm-hmm. so yeah,
3: yeah. And then I did attorney recruiting, um, so I would place attorneys into law firms and and find them jobs. Um, I also did that, uh, yeah. So I did that, and then um, I met somebody in California. Mm-hmm. Formed a relationship with them, mm-hmm. moved out here to be with them, mm-hmm. and that's how I ended up in California. Did you get married? Sorry, I was, I was on another train then, but I'm
1: going to just jump with you. Did you Did you get married? You can go back on that train if you want. No, I think it's okay because I I thought when you were you had a vision of somewhere that you wanted to be with a company, but I'm going to go. I'm going to stop it and say, Did you
3: get married? Um, we did. Uh, I wasn't interested in getting married, but part of the arrangement was that um, he worked for himself. Yeah. And I ended up getting a job at a law firm doing marketing. And uh, in order for him, in order for me to give him insurance, um, we became domestic partners. Mm -hmm. That's not married. No, not technically Mm. at the time. So gay marriage was legal and then it became illegal. And so they came up with this It was legal
1: and then it became illegal. Right. How the fuck does that happen?
3: I mean, it it was the United States of America. I don't know. I mean, they made it legal and then they made it illegal and then they made it legal again. But I don't really know why or how. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I mean, I was never really that interested in getting married. Right.
1: I know. But I just thought constitutionally speaking that, you know, once something's set, it's set.
3: No. No. Mm Mm-mm. All you need is um, Congress and the Senate mm. to have a majority
1: so th- they can change anything they want whenever they want if they get it through those channels, so they could change the gun th- thing.
3: Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's why there's so much uh,
1: yes. that's Push. why
3: there's so much you know content there's, that's why it, the, this whole Democrat Republican thing and this battle in politics and that's why it's so intense because whoever has control over the House and the Senate makes the decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's why they're worried about the Supreme Court justice person that's getting nominated right now or who's been being vetted over the last few days or weeks because he now has the ability to, if it comes to the Supreme Court, to make abortion illegal. Mm. And so they're really worried about that, the people that want abortion. <sighs> Fucking hell. It's crazy. The world is
1: crazy right now. It is crazy. Yeah.
3: But I don't do any social media. Like, I only, I don't really, you know, I, I like to watch the world news on NBC.
1: Yes. Do you ever watch the BBC? No. Mm-mm. For any particular reason? Or you just. Well, don't I don't think? have it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one I check. I just go to most red. And if it's in most red, I think it's relevant, and then I just see, make sure the world's not imploding, go about my day.
3: No, I like NBC. I like the world news. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good.
1: So then um, you became partners. Yep. For insurance reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, we were lovers too. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Of course. Um, and you're in California. Mm-hmm. New life, working for the law firm. Mm-hmm. And does that that does that does that keep swinging?
3: No, he bought me a ho- he bought me a horse. <laughs> yeah, because when I stopped figure skating, I went into horseback riding. Yes. And I became a hunter-jumper. I did hunter-jumper and dressage. I did three-day eventing, Yeah, which is where you um, stadium jump, cross-country jump, and dressage, which is... Yes, yes. Is yeah. it when you walk sideways and shit like that? Yeah.
1: yeah. Make mm-hmm. the horse do weird mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, which I loved. And braids. It's all in braids. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, Very... I loved it. So, he bought me a horse because... Um, because I wanted one. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. Yes. So you go riding the horse. So I start riding the horse, Mm -hmm. um, and, um, it costs a lot of money. Right. Um, it would, uh, yeah. So I was riding the horse. Um, I had this horse, which was a whole insane experience, which I loved. I ended up selling that horse. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm riding the horse. I'm, you know, and... You know, money became a problem. Money became a problem.
1: Because, had you stopped working?
3: Or no, I was working. It's just that I was spending way more than I was earning. And my parents were willing to supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I wasn't paying any rent in his home. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't contributing towards the house. hmm And so um, I was building an amazing life for myself. Mm-hmm. But in his mind, I wasn't building the life that he wanted with somebody together. hmm understand. So it was, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I don't resent or, or dislike him in any way. mm um, But that ended, mm. that relationship. Um, but before that ended, a year before that ended, um, I had to get a job that would help me to afford the horse and to contribute towards the household like he wanted. Mm-hmm. So I began to sell Aston Martins Mm. in Beverly Hills. I um, got a job selling for Aston Martin Beverly Hills. And um, how did you get that job? Just applied or? I applied online. Mm. Um, They had a job posting and I went in and I met them and um, I did a a, a rather impressive, which I have to to this day. Um, And he was in graphic design so he helped me with it, Um, a presentation on how I would be successful selling Aston Martins in Beverly Hills. I had a pretty good business plan. Yeah. Um, I did that, and I became very successful selling Aston Martins in Beverly Hills. How fun. Yeah, it was good. And so then I was riding my horse um, on every other weekend. I worked every other weekend, and I was um, never home. Uh, And that became an issue for him. What did he do? He was a graphic design artist. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty successful. Yeah. And, uh, there were other issues I think probably taking place. Um, but we ended it after a year of me getting that job and I stayed for another four months in Dallas, quit my job. Oh, I mean, no, LA? Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, I quit my job after four months of us breaking up and getting my own apartment in Beverly Hills and moved back to Dallas with the horse. You took the horse. Oh yeah. <laughs> Fucking no. hell. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Dallas for 18 months. Yeah. Got settled there Had a good job um, Sold the horse um, Paid him back for the horse Then he wanted interest Oh yeah So I paid him the interest
1: Interest on the horse
3: Well that was the deal That I had made with him In order to get him To buy me the horse Oh okay I said that I I would make it An investment for him Yes And I would pay him back A percentage of the profit That I made on the horse When I sold it How did you you know You were going to make
1: A profit on a horse
3: Mm, Because I had paid Because I don't know I, d- I just knew yeah, crafty. I mean, yeah I just you know um because it, it's it's, I, it's a long sort of when you have when you, if you find the right horse which mm. I had a German warm blood and you uh and he was, um, was the problem you, was is that he was that proud cut he was proud cut who the horse or the the husband the horse yes was proud cut which means when they castrated him mm. um, they didn't get all of the testosterone or semen out of him ah. and so he still acted like a stallion and we fought he and i would fight insane fights i'm so surprised that's he didn't that's kill me that's a thing yeah i'm surprised he didn't he almost i mean i it's i'm lucky i didn't die so he hold on that's a thing proud cut mm-hmm.
1: they do it on purpose they know how to do that no i don't think
3: they do it on purpose it's just that they had cut him because they were going to make him a stallion a breeding stallion yes and so they didn't castrate him Early in his life, yes. they castrated him later in his life, uh, so they didn't, so it's just, it was, he, it was he, he was he so far evolved. developed. Yeah, mm-hmm. got it. And he was brilliant, he was um, he was 16, three hands, he was, um, he looked like the Barbie horse, he was, um, what? No, he was Palomino, with a flaxen mane and tail, like a platinum blonde mane and tail. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were quite a scene. <laughs> we were quite a scene, on the LA show, show circuit. <laughs>
1: fucking awesome his oh. show name
3: was Mira Scott which mean, means look at me in Spanish
1: Mira Scott
3: mm-hmm. did you name him no he came that way yeah his 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 home name his barn name was Scotty Scotty and we had quite the we had quite the relationship it was so intense it was so um, it was so intense so intense I can't believe I the, thought for sure yeah. he was gonna kill me like he I think he really wanted to kill me, do you think a th- a horse can have such a thought? I think so. They're animals, yeah, but you know, and he did not and but i he obviously
1: liked you.
3: there were some times when we were brilliant together when he in that show ring, and there were other times when it was just complete disaster where he would literally like be on his hind legs with his front legs just you know. And just, you know, you know he, just he, like this, you know, and, and it was just insane. And sometimes he would do, he would strike out at me like that. Like he would get on his hind legs and just start striking at me with his front legs. It was insane. Fuck yeah, no. And so I think that my trainers, I found these really, so I got kicked out, we got kicked out of this barn. And I didn't know he was like that until I moved him to Dallas. Mm. Uh, because in California, um, all I did was show up to the barn and my horse was ready for me. Mm-hmm. You know, then when I moved in, you know, so it was a full service sort of, it was very expensive. It was very posh, you know, and the trainers were amazing. And so all I ever did was ride him. But then when I had to start handling him on the ground is when I realized he was as bad as he was. And I didn't, re- in, a, in the, the barn hands, um, the Mexican guys, the Mexican guys that took care of him, they always called him that pinchy palomino, which is like that fucking palomino. They hated him. Pinchy, and I, yeah, and I was so offended. Like I did, I'm like, why do they hate my horse so much? <laughs> and then I found out when I moved to Dallas, he, he was awful, and I got kicked out of this barn, and I got um, I uh, sent him to this place. Uh, it's a long story to be um, broken. Like more. dog school, yeah, mm. um, and but it was intense discipline. Um, we thought that worked. And then I found this trainer. He recommended this trainer, these lesbians that were just, they, they were just like, you. they're the kind of lesbians that like ride Harleys and you just don't fuck with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I loved them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved writing for them and we were jumping the highest I'd ever jumped. We were, they were so aggressive. They were aggressive with him. They were aggressive with me and they were pushing us really hard. And, um, I, th- and we sold him. Like I, I got him developed to a point where we were jumping four feet yeah. um, and we put him on the market and I sold him for 20,000 more than I paid for him, Great. but I probably spent a hundred thousand dollars of training on him. Yeah. So it was no investment, but I loved the entire experience. The story of Scotty. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably drugged him and sold him to a 15, they sold him to a 15 year old girl. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> she probably killed I've tried to Google him to see if he's still out there. I can't find him. Yeah. <laughs> Oh fuck! So then,
1: Scotty's gone. You're four months. you mm-hmm. four months in Dallas. I was 18 months in Dallas. I uh, 18 months in Dallas.
3: Mm-hmm. Doing the
1: the development stuff again.
3: No, I was working for a friend of mine, um, Bath and Body, um, Niven Morgan. It's a luxury product. Still good friends with him. He, all the candles that I do, um, uh, I worked for him. Ah, oh, that's the candle thing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so I was um, I was director of marketing and product development, and I bought a house, and I was happy, ish, you know. I was a little bored after being in LA. I I um, realized that I was a little bored. I love to be entertained, mm. and so um, I um, LA is a great place to live if you love to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So
1: you're a little bored. You'd, but I bought a house. You bought a
3: house. You're trying to settle down. Mm-hmm. get a sense. Mm-hmm. But LA's calling still. Well, the, the, that job, that Aston Martin Beverly Hills, Yes. they also had a Bentley franchise. They had a Rolls Royce franchise, yeah. a Lamborghini franchise, a Bugatti franchise. Uh-huh. It's a dealership group. Yes. Um, that job had called me. They had been recruiting me or wanting me to come back ever mm-hmm. since I had left. I had left on good terms. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't want me to go. And they offered me a junior sales manager position on the Bentley showroom um, to come back. Mm -hmm. And that was the only way that I would come back. The only way, if I could ever be a Bentley manager for Bentley in Beverly Hills, Mm -hmm. then I would come back. And I told them that because the first job that they had offered me, I turned them down, mm-hmm. and um, they offered me that job to be the, a junior. I w- I was, I was a, I'd never been a manager before of a dealership, and so um, they brought me in. But with the university credentials, it's something that you could do. Yeah, and I knew the car business. Yeah. And so they brought me in and started training me as a, as a sales manager, as a junior sales manager. How long ago was that? Uh, six years ago and you've been with them ever since. Yeah. And and now you're quite high up. Well, I'm uh, director of variable operations is what my business card says. Director of variable variable. Mhm. So in an automotive dealership, you have two you have fixed ops and variable ops. Fixed ops is the service department where they fix, where they repair the vehicles. Yeah. Variable ops is the sales Operation, Mm -hmm. so you have variable expenses and fixed expenses. Um, Got it. Right. So in sales, things are more variable; they vary. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, nicely applied. So yeah, Um, I mean, I I, you know I tried to like not have a title at one point because it's a little you know I don't really know, but yeah. So basically, I'm director of sales, Um, and My office is off of the Rolls-Royce showroom in Beverly Hills, and it's, uh, you know, we have Aston Martin, Bentley, Bugatti, Koenigsegg, Lamborghini, McLaren, and Rolls-Royce in Beverly Hills, and it is, um, (laughs) I'm I'm sure if you like to be entertained, you're in the right spot. I mean, I love my job. I mean, I I never knew that I wanted this job, uh, but I've always loved cars. Uh, I've always loved the car business. Yeah. And, um, and being in Beverly Hills, you know, I see everything. Yeah. You know, the, the, um, the rich and the famous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Walking in your doors daily. Yeah. yeah. And, and the diversity, I love the diversity. Of from all L- over the world. Of
1: LA or just of in the workplace?
3: In, in what I do, so like in, in, in the workplace, but I'm talking about the customers. Yes. Like Where does the money come from? Yeah. Because these people have a lot of money, right? Yeah, that are yeah. buying these cars. Nobody needs anything I'm selling, right? And so people Say come, again. nobody needs anything I'm selling. N- no one, <laughs> yeah, like, like, okay, yeah, okay, I got, yeah, I got, I mean, I love it when somebody comes in and I, I mean, I've heard this and, yeah. I, and it's music to my ears Yeah. and we'll be, you know, when I was in sales or whatever and, and, and somebody says, I need this Bentley and I'm like, ah, oh. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's, it's to me, it's, Fantastic. We'll break that down. Why? Because, because they, they, have d- they to don't. Have it. Because they have to have it. Yep. They have to have it so bad they think they need it, and nobody needs a Bentley or a Rolls Royce at two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars for a vehicle. <laughs> nobody needs these things. <laughs> They're luxury but these items. people, yeah, these people need these things. Yeah. And I love it, and I want to help them. Yeah. Yeah. And and what about people that come in and try and hardball you? Well, so that's, I mean, so, the, I mean, that's the thing too. So these people come from all over the world, you know? So we have people from literally all over the world that come to Los Angeles yeah. and they buy these homes in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. right? Because it's at, what zip code do they, does the entire world know that exist in the United States? The one zip code that everybody knows in the United States is 90210. There's only one 90210. I mean, I love Beverly Hills because mm. it's just like, that's our best marketing thing. I think like you're on the, the commerce. Well, so I'm on the board of directors for the chamber. Uh, wha- the Chamber of Commerce. Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. Is it? Beverly Hills Chamber of Commerce. That's yeah. <laughs> so I'm on the board of directors. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the board for five years, and um, which is fascinating too. I love it. Um, it's uh, it's inter- it's, fas- it's it's amazing. Mm. You know.
1: Once again, the people that you must be um, rubbing
3: shoulders with, and the conversations that go down, would be, I think, pretty amusing. Well, I mean, it's just basic business stuff, though, mm-hmm. right? So, like, how do we keep the businesses that are in Beverly Hills in Beverly Hills, right? Yeah. Um, the separation between the residents of Beverly Hills and the businesses of Beverly Hills, because um, you know the city of Beverly Hills needs both, uh, but but the residents are very protective over their city, right? Um, and the businesses they want to be able to operate like a business in the city of Beverly Hills and. So, it's this constant uh, push and pull between the two. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm right there on the front row of it, Mm. which is interesting. I find it fascinating. Fuck yeah. Right.
1: Um, So, the people that come in and hardball you, yeah?
3: So, yeah. So, the people that are, I know where you're going. And, um, you know, but so, yeah. So, these people come from all over the world. They buy houses. And I mean, I'm more fascinated right now with with this idea. And I'll get there. I know where you're going. But I don't know where I'm going. I love these people that come in. These people, they come in, they, but Russians. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all of the people, um, from the different Asian countries, Mexico, the Middle East, uh, Europe even, and they come to the Beverly Hills and they buy these homes, right? Mm. And they live this lifestyle that they can live safely in Beverly Hills that they can't live in their home country. Uh, You can't, you can't, you can't live in, you, you can't be safe. In a Rolls Royce convertible in the middle of Mexico City, it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't be safe in the middle of whatever city in Russia, Saint Petersburg. I don't know if that's the city I'm thinking of, or I don't know where they all come from. Go, though. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, first of all, it's too cold to drive your Rolls Royce convertible. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them buy Bentleys because they're all-wheel drive. Mm. Um, but you can't, you, you, you know, you can't live that. I mean, you'll, you'll be murdered. Mm. You know, or I mean, you just can't. You, you, its too conspicuous.
1: Look, people look at you weirdly in Australia if you're to drive a convertible. Yeah,
3: people from Australia come into the store a lot, um, and they're fascinated. Um, and I know some Australians well, that buy fascinating. cars. Yeah, they're fascinated by um, how uh, affordable these cars are here in the United States, and that's most of the world. These cars are m- more affordable here in this country than they are anywhere in the world. Yeah. Well, everything's more expensive. We have so much you know,
1: like import tax, mm-hmm. European, the luxury car tax, all these tax. Everything's tax, tax on tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sell more of these cars than any other shop in the world.
3: Right now, we're number one um, in McLaren. I'm close with Beverly. I'm close with the Rolls Royce to be number one in Who's the world. Who's competing with you? Uh, I mean, it just you know, like maybe London, um, the Middle East, whatever, like Abu Dhabi, yep. um, China. Beijing. Um,
1: yeah. But Trump's made the market pretty strong.
3: The economy right now is so hot, so hot. Do you think it's false? Um, who knows? It seems to be pretty real. It's going to cycle. Yeah. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go through its natural cycle mm-hmm. um, and hit a bottom or fall out at some point. But until then, it's fun. Mm. People are spending a lot of money. And when cash comes in? Um, large amounts of cash. Yeah, people can pay with cash. Yeah. They do. I won't share too much about that. No, that's fine. Right. Yeah. It's not safe. No, good. Right. Actually, sorry. I just realized. It's okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 no, if everyone does everything by wire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I mean, it just, it you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I understand. And
3: so, yeah. And so negotiating. And so, right. So some of these cultures, yeah. um, you know, are, are intense when it comes to, nego- to negotiating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've learned you know where it's you know first of all yeah i mean i've learned to um negotiate well and um and they've and i'm and they love negotiating with me cuz i'll fight them they want to fight they want to fight over, 50? over, over 50 over money 50,000 they they it, it, it's you know it's like it's this it's i mean i'll start i'll I, i'll scoop you know i i will tell you know i'm like you live in a a 50 million dollar house north of sunset mhm And you're acting cheap. Why are you doing this? You know, and and, and we get into fights about it, you know? And I'll tell them, you know what? I'm just not having fun with this anymore. This isn't fun for me. I don't, I'm not selling you this car. I'm not selling, I don't want to sell you this car. You don't need to sell, you don't need to buy this car. You're not here because you need to get to work on Monday, right? Um, And I don't need to sell you this car. If I don't sell you this car, it's not going to break me. It's not going to break our business.
1: It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. You don't need a Rolls Royce. What did you say? Mazda's down the road.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've offered. I'm like, listen, it sounds like to me you're more of a Toyota buyer. (laughs) So why don't I, you know, Culver City, just down the road, you know, I'll get you a cab. You can go to Toyota and buy a car. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if you're that fucking cheap, what are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, man. yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is, though. That is the way it is. <laughs> but, um, but nine times out of ten, I end up selling them something. Mm. They just love, you know, and and they'll tell me, you know. I had a, a you know a couple guys not too long ago, and I mean we were sparring back and forth, and it was intense, and it was argumentative, and um and it was and and you know and we shook on the deal, mm. and they're like, oh my god that was so much fun. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, that's the best show I've ever seen. (laughs) You know? And I'm like, like, (laughs) you know what And so it's just, it's, you know, it's like these people are rich, they're powerful, and, and they, 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 they're used to getting what they want. Mm. You know? And if I'm coming from a position of being weak, Mm -hmm. and desperate, Mm -hmm. then they're, then they just eat me up. Yeah. And so, um, I'm not weak. I'm not desperate. If you want what I have, great. If not, then get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel.
1: Well, it seems to be working.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But in a compassionate kind of way. I of know, course. I know, I know you see In the it most here. loving way. Yeah. I know you see it as a, as a job and it's, um, yeah. And it's, that's, that's the fun of the job. It is. And There's nothing. Is it vindictive about it?
3: No. And I wouldn't do this anywhere else but right here in Beverly Hills. Mm. If I left the car business tomorrow, I wouldn't go back into the car business somewhere else. And I wouldn't do it with any other brand. I'm like, I've been to, the, I've been to the, the factories, the Rolls-Royce factory, the Bentley factory. They're amazing, amazing experiences. And I love the cars, I do. I love the cars, they're fast. Um, the Lamborghinis, the McLarens, the McLarens are amazing. I haven't driven a Bugatti um, at length, um, but I have putzed around in one on, you know.
1: That's the fastest car, all right? They're the fastest? Um, it's the fastest
3: road car ever, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it has been at one point. I mean, there's always somebody vying for that top spot, yeah. but it's one of the fastest cars in so the
1: world. What do you think? I know you're interested in doing some producing and you've done some producing.
3: Well, I like, so, so I'm in, you know, so I get to see, I I get to, I I am around the entertainment business a lot. I have a lot of friends in the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. Um, I meet a lot of really successful people in the entertainment business because of where I work Mm -hmm. um, from all aspects of it. So the actors, um, the producers, uh, the directors, um, you know, and, and there's other parts, you know, there's. And so I, I, yeah, I find it interesting. Um, I've done a little bit of, I guess, executive producing. Um, and it's not really because I wanted to get into the movie business or it was more about me just helping out friends, mm-hmm. you know, so friends of mine that are in the business and they want to, um, produce something or whatever, uh, I've invested in different things. Mm and um, accidentally got myself an IMBD profile as an executive producer and a credit, I guess, which was shocking to me. But I think it's pretty cool. Um, So yeah, I mean, I don't know how I would bridge, I don't know how, I mean, I'm open to it, Mm. to doing more. Um, I like the business side of it, Um, but really what I like about it is that I I like seeing my friends um, be successful. You know, so I like helping people uh, do things, basically.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah.
3: So that's how I've, um, and so I, and, and I'm in the middle of the entertainment business here. and
1: it sort, of, sort of sort of, you can't not be somehow through osmosis bore along or part of it. Yeah. Everyone's, at home, yeah. you talk about anything business related, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. Because nobody's in, Nobody, not many people do it. But here, every fucking person is somehow tied in on a level.
3: Yeah. And there's so many different, you know, there's so many different ways to be successful in the entertainment business. You know, whether it's music, movies, mm. television, I mean, the advent of these uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu. Even I- Instagram stars now. Yeah, and I mean, they come in and buy like, cars from us. Like, these Instagram stars. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, these kids, they're coming in and they're like in their 20s. I mean, I had a guy. I mean, this guy came in last night. I've never even heard from him. I looked him up. He was born in 1995 and he just bought a $600,000 Rolls Royce. The guy's 23 years old. From Instagram? No, he's not from Instagram. He's a rapper. Okay. You know? (laughs) But I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I've never even heard of him.
1: Fuck Next level. Loon Joe. We are at an hour and a half. Oh, my. It's a lot of time. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> See, ya. See ya yeah. Later. Bro, you later. Bro, love you. On Thanks. Okay. <laughs> there you have it. There's the chat. There's the chat with Lou and Job. Um LJ, nice one. Thank you so much for listening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Wow, it's so weird. This life of technology is so fucking weird. But you know what? It's kind of cool, eh? I can be a hater and I can be a lover. So I'm just gonna love on this shit. It's kind of fun. I'm sitting at a desk, got monitors everywhere. I'm editing other stuff at the moment, and and it's uh, it's a technical life. I wonder if they had, uh, I wonder if they had this sort of technology in the pyramids. What were what were they doing in the pyramids, eh? Eh? I wonder if Mark Wahlberg's got a fucking podcast. I wonder what that dude's doing. What does that dude do? Except for be a movie star. Blah, blah, blah. See you next time.